podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the products that your balls will thank you for. To check out their products, head over to manscaped.com and use code RNR20. That's RNR20 at checkout to save you 20%. Trust me, your balls will be happy. Hi, hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushing and Dustin podcast. Excited to have everybody come back and listen. Uh, two weeks straight in the saddle, so we're we're happy to be back. Uh, getting her warmed drop, up. Dropping you some new episodes, getting things backed up, ready for season to kick off. We've obviously started some dove hunting and some waterfowl hunting's kicked off in some upland and other states, but here in Iowa, we're still waiting for the good stuff to drop. But uh, tonight we have Chris Majette. I don't know if I said did I mess it up. Oh, no, you're good. All right, I got. Uh, also known as the Hunting Traveler um, on Instagram. So we've been we've been following him for a while. He has some he has some great content out there. Everybody go check him out. Um, but Chris, give us some of your background. Let's hear about um, it. Yeah, uh, I was a Navy brat. I was actually born in California, but raised in Virginia. Um, went down to school uh, down in Charleston. Went to the Citadel. Um, then did the army for a few years, went back to Virginia. Um, yeah, kind of new to the Upland game. Um, got my Boykin, well, my older one, I got him right out of college and just kind of dove hunted with him and duck hunted. And then got Traveler, my younger one, um, from Brandywine Creek Kennels up in Indiana. Um, and so duck hunting with him and then, you know, duck hunting in Virginia is kind of, um, lack of a better term, shitty. So, uh, all, all we really got is divers and, and sea ducks. Um, so, you know, there's some mallards that come down, obviously the wood ducks and stuff. So started getting into upland about, uh, two years ago, I guess. Um, so like I said, really new to it. Um, but I had the opportunity to go West last year and kind of made the most of that. And now that's become a, a yearly trip for me. So, um, so what yeah. made you switch to the upland game? Um, just be able to get the dog out more, man. Um, just give them more opportunities because when we're diver hunting, we're forcing duck hunting. We're out of a, a boat in the bay and we're putting you know, 20 dozen long lines out and our droppers aren't long enough for a dog to go over. So it's just a mess. Um, yeah. so just want to get him on more birds and get him out more. So yeah. How is the upland hunting out your way? Uh, that also pretty, pretty crappy. <laughs> Um, so what are you doing living out that's there, why you're the hunting traveler because you got to go everywhere to have good hunts when I, when I left college uh, i was like damn man i don't know where i want to go so um like i said just find my way back to virginia and you know i looked at living in other places but like i was telling you tyler i travel for work so i need somebody to you know watch the dogs when i'm gone so um just still here but i mean we got the woodcock migrations all right we got some woodcock we do have a quail season but there's I mean, I, I read an article in 1983, they killed like a million and 300,000 quail in Virginia. And then in 2006, they shot like 30,000. So Jesus. massive loss of habitat. Um, yeah, I'd so, say. Yeah, so we got, we got some woodcock and we got some rail. 
Um, other than that, it's just bustle head. So what do you do, Chris? That what do you what's that? What do you do that travel so much? Uh, so I do consulting, uh, mostly looking at processes, marketing, budgeting. Um, so I have clients all nice. over the US. So typically Sunday night I fly out and I fly back home Friday night. Um, if it's duck season, I pretty much grab the dog, grab my gun, grab my gear and go sit in my buddy's driveway for an hour and a half and then go duck. <laughs> so, uh, it gets, it gets pretty busy. Oh man. Um, but like I was telling Tyler, I'm able to tie the traveling into some hunting trips during the winter time. So make the most of that. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of traveling, uh, you got any trips planned for this coming year? Yeah. So that's my buddies and I've been going to North Dakota maybe six or seven years in a row. Um, and then last year, um, Ryan Bumgarner, when I was out in North Dakota, I was coming back home from duck hunting. And he was like, hey, man, you know, if you're ever back in the area, because he's got a boykin too. And he's like, if you're ever back in the area, let me know. I'll get you on some muffin birds. I said, all right. So I had like a week off towards Thanksgiving and um, said, screw it, packed up the truck, loaded the dog, and we drove out there and pheasant hunted with him. So this year I'll tie the two trips together and then – on my way home from North Dakota, we'll stop in Wisconsin for a few days and I'll work and then hopefully shoot some grouse. So that'll be pretty much all of October. We'll be in the truck. <laughs> Jesus. And then let's see, November, I'm going to Maine for four days. And then I want a trip to Kansas for three days. So that'll oh, be Oh, nice. <laughs> How'd November. you win that? Um, another podcast. Oh, uh, giveaway man so um nice woke up to a text message one morning and i was like oh all right cool so uh got that and then nothing big planned for december january i'll go back out to nebraska and forth hunt the north flat i've done that three years in a, two years in a row so nice where's your favorite spot Dude. to go to uh man I'll never forget the first morning in North Dakota. Uh, my buddies had already been there for, I think, a day or two. <clears throat> and uh, a single was flying right at us. And, you know, I was like, oh, shit, you know, there's a single. And my buddy's like, look up, man. There's like 50, 75 miles above us. And I'm like, dude, those birds ain't coming down. And he hit him with a hail call, and they just cycling right down. And I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is different. Um, I mean, in Virginia, the worst thing you can do is call out a duck. Huh. And whereas, you know, North, North Dakota, when we're hunting the North Platte, Nebraska, you got to lay it on them pretty hard. Um, so, yeah, probably North Dakota. I did hunt Mississippi a couple of years ago and did a timber hunt. That was pretty cool. Um, nice. Biomita, that's cool. Um, but I, I like to just – you do any uh, <clears throat> upland hunting in North Dakota? Yeah. So duck. I did that um, for a week last year. Um, got after some, some pheasants. Um, again, most of our upland in Virginia is put and take. Um, as far as you know, pheasant and chucker, we don't obviously have those. So last year when I took Traveler out for his first hunt, um, it took us about two days for him to kind of figure out the roosters. Um, and I was pretty happy with them. I mean, the good thing about a Boykin is they can go in the cattails and they have no problem. They just slip right under them. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah how big is your dog? He's on the bigger side. And when I say bigger, he's like 42, 44 pounds. Um, oh, yeah. so he's a good size, though. I mean, he handles – if we're hunting buffalo heads, he can handle the bigger water as long as there's no long lines out and – He's easy enough to pick up and put him back in the boat. <laughs> Not like a big old rod. So. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what drew you to the Boykins? This is your second um, one, right? Yeah, so actually my dad got his first in, I don't know, 81. Um, 
the breed stand was really made in like the late seventies, if I remember correctly, maybe mid seventies. Um, so he got an early one and just grew up with them. I mean, I thought about getting something else. Um, but I do like the size. I like the versatility. They can be kind of, um, I guess, ADD. I mean, they got the Spaniel in them. So, you know, they, they mature slower than a lab, um, but they're fun. I mean, sometimes some of them are harder to train. Their personalities are really different. Um, you know, my older one, you know, if I put a little growl in my voice, you know, that's all I got to do to get him to react. Um, or get him to stop doing whatever he's doing. Traveler on the air, my young one, he's a go-getter. And yeah, if he's doing something dumb, I smack him in the butt, you know, he'll just wag his tail and be like, what's up, man, you wanna play? So um, as far as what brought me to him, just grew up with him, versatility. Um, some people worry about the cold with him, but Traveler's hunted in eight degrees and I just have a towel and dry him off and he's good. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, do they, uh... So, I mean, what, what kind of training did you do? Did you do the training form or did you take them somewhere or what's your um, needs of the so training? My older one, Cooper, I, tra- I trained him myself. Um, not extremely well, but he, he did the job. Um, traveler, with me being gone all the time, um, I did the basic stuff myself and then kind of sent him to a trainer to get done. Uh, as far as upland work, didn't do anything. He just naturally quarters. Um, I ran him a hunt test for Boykins, I think last year, year before last. Um, and I was talking to a trainer and I'm like, all right, well, what do I got to do before this test? And he goes, nothing, he'll do it. I'm like, what if he doesn't? He goes, no, he's going to do it. I go, Again, if he doesn't, what do I need to do? And he goes, no, he's good. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So we went out there and don't naturally quarter. So really the next level for that upland work is him to be steady to shots, steady to flush. Typically he won't. He won't go after the flush. Normally, if I shoot, he'll take about four steps forward, four or five steps. Um, but I'm really yeah. trying to clean that up a little bit, especially for the hunt test game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as retrieval. How, how, how is his marking being? He's so small. So, like, if a bird's out there, it's probably harder for yeah. him being a small dog to see you know, over everything. Because when we're actually hunting, he marks fine. Um, the hard part is when we're at a hunt test that's set up for labs. And to your point, he's sitting in the grass, and most of the labs were sitting above the grass, and he's sitting in it trying to mark it. Yeah. Um, you know, the hunt. We just did a basic junior test this weekend for AKC because we'd never done AKC before. We always did um, HRC. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, the grass was pretty tall. I was kind of worried about it, but he marked it fine. Um, I mean, as long as he can, it's, it's just like anything else. Just do basic marking drills, working on their depth perception. Yep. Um, it, I mean, I have no doubt it, it messes them up sometimes, but. I think once, you know, once they get a line and kind of get into the area of the fall, the nose takes over. So yep. yeah, hundred percent. I took him to a, um, a tower shoot last year. Uh, I didn't shoot. I just had him picking up birds for people, and the cotton was probably chest high or so. And I mean, pheasants were dropping left and right in the cotton, and I don't know how he found them. It was like a pterodactyl or like a no, one of those things. Um, the little lots of raptors in the weeds like that's the only way oh, i could yeah. see it was is just the bushes moving but he'd come out with pheasants so um he does pretty good i think it's just marking drills and then like i said just getting them into the area of the fall and then let the nose do its work are those are those tower shoots popular out your way i mean yeah in iowa midwest i've never even so seen them i have how they even work i have mixed emotions on them um it's i mean as far as the 
Is ethicality a word? I don't know if that's a word, but the ethics of it. Now. Uh, you can make a word up on here if you want to. We're fine with it. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, so basically the way it works is you have a tower in the middle and a bunch of um, stands on the outside. Um, probably about, I don't know, 50, 60 yards maybe away from the, the tower. Actually, probably farther than that. But um, basically the guy just throws a pheasant up from the tower and it flies towards your stand. You shoot and they do maybe five, ten birds and then every, they blow a whistle and everybody moves one stand over. Um, I've never shot at one. I've been to a bunch just to give him more work on birds. Um, I think it's it's good for him because he sees the bird the whole entire time and he hears all the yeah. gunshots, but he doesn't always get to retrieve it because there's other dogs out there. So it forces him to have to learn how to honor and just realize, hey, not every bird that you see go down is yours. Um, yep. And then there's a lot of guys out there that are just deer hunters going out there shoot stuff and and they can't hit the broadside of a horn. So, I mean, there's one last year. I mean, these are fat, slow, pen-raised pheasants, and it's <laughs> flying right at them. Dude whiffed all three times, and Travis was just staring at the dude like, what the hell, man? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's free. Um, I think everybody eats the pheasants that they take home. So, um, but, yeah, that's they're, they're pretty popular out here. I mean. Yeah, it's just a weird concept. Yeah, I think it's. You just stand there and well, just throw the birds up. Um, a lot of times they'll call them like European shoots. Um, and I think that's where they got it from is they do it a lot out over in um, England and stuff. So, um, you know, is it, like I said, is it ethical? I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's up to everybody else, I guess. But I'll, t- I'll do it for dog work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't beat free dog work. No, no. Well, not, you know not, what the it. cost is to, to do that? I uh, mean, around here you can go to like a pheasant farm and pay – a hundred bucks for them to plant right. three, four birds. Yeah. So yeah. I think um, it depends. I mean, there's definitely some tower shoots that are at some very um, fancy preserves um, that those probably go, I don't know, 250, 300 bucks, if not more. Um, and then there's other ones that are more like a hundred bucks that are, you know, newer, just not as, um, polished i guess um, yeah now our, go- our going rate for birds at the put and takes i think they normally charge like eight nine bucks a quail maybe 10 and then like 12 to 14 for a chucker and around 18 for a pheasant i think hmm. that's about that's about what it costs around here yeah we've got a ton of preserves around it. i mean that, that's the sad part i mean it's cool like i have nothing against put and takes um i mean i go there to get him primed up for the season um now, I don't go post some pictures saying, uh, look how many birds we shot today. Cause it's like, yeah. they're out there. Like, it's not that difficult. Um, but I think it's great. Yeah, they're put out there for you. Yeah, I mean, he, Traver doesn't know the difference, so it does get him a little work. Um, but, you know, people that are just getting into shooting or want to give hunt a try or even a young kid, um, I'll, t- I'll take my dad out there, just get a couple hunts with him. Um, so I don't have anything against put and takes. At least you're giving the animal mm-hmm. a chance. But those, those tower shoots are, yeah. A little bit different. Yeah. That's a good, I like that term. We're going to do a put and take this weekend. Four birds in that field. Like, all right, I'll just keep walking around until I find them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. We usually do a pheasant farm, what we call yeah. pheasant farms right? Uh, around here. Um, we usually do one or two of those a year preseason just to yep. get the dogs geared back yep. up, get some birds in their mouth. I mean, we both – we don't have land – you know, for yeah. that we can go out on and 
and train with live birds throughout the year. So, I mean, that's really our only option to, to get them some work before season. I mean, and like you said, if you're not out there bragging, Oh man, we got, we went six for six, you know, got six birds a day. We both limited out, you know, and, oh, wow. Imagine that. <laughs> well, why is your, why is your damn pheasant look like a half bred chicken? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and Tyler still can't hit them. So it doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. To get the dog some work. I mean, I, like I said, I'll go out there probably four or five times and I got some buddies. So our, I don't know about y'all's, but our preserves stay open at least till March, the end of March, some stay open until the end of April. March, March 31st. And then yeah. September 1st is when they open yeah. around here. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, especially after duck season goes out and deer season goes out, I got some buddies that call me up like, Hey, you want to get travel on some birds? Like we'd rather you get a, the dog, bring the dog rather than, you know, using a guide or something. So, you know, I got nothing against that. Yeah. I'm all for that. That's um, Tyler and I are just looking at a place to go here. The place we normally go is actually closed the weekend we wanted to go because I got a wedding. So that kind of pissed me off a little bit, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. So would you, Chris, would you prefer up now that you got the taste of upland the past two years? What do you prefer? Upland or waterfowl? Well, see, that depends. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question back. Is that uh-huh. is that waterfowl? and upland out west or waterfowl and upland in virginia let's say when you're when you're traveling with traveler right right so let's say in this october you know let's say uh you're heading out west and someone says you know what let's we got ground for private ground for ducks that's a pond full and we got private ground for pheasant that's loaded with birds. What are you going to say? If you can't do both. Man, that's tough. I'm, I go through this a lot in my head. Cause I'm like, damn, <laughs> am I pushing waterfowl to the side? Um, I might take upland. Yeah. Um, I was raised a, a duck hunter. Um, I went on like a few quail hunts when I was younger. My dad raised me duck hunting though. Um, and I have a, a strong passion for it and the history of it and all that, but yep. You know, there's, there's something cool about just walking behind a dog. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love watching Traveler pick up ducks, but then I get antsy. So I love just being able to walk. Um, you can talk, too, a little bit if you want. Yeah, and you can talk. I mean, that's why I'm – I mean, I'm you the, can duck hunting, too, but, I mean, when they're coming in here. Deer hunter. Because I, I get – I'll fall asleep because I'm bored as shit. So I can't deer hunt. Like, at least duck hunting, like you said, you can talk. Um, yep. Yeah, I think I'm slowly transitioning into more of an upland guy, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, what gets me hooked on it is one dog. I love getting my dog out and uh, seeing him work, seeing him be successful. That's number one. And then number two, uh, you know, we take a trip to South Dakota every year, and everybody's like, you can shoot pheasants in Iowa. Well, yeah, but it's not it's not about that. It's about the trip, the experience, you know, scouting, finding the places to go, building relationships with farmers, like starting to do those types of things. I actually love the preparation of that and being like, Oh God. And then when you're successful, I mean, just like anything, just like duck hunting too, um, uh, you're, you're going to be happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Trapper loves duck hunting, but 
damn, that's got to be boring as hell for them. Just, sitting, oh, you know, just sitting there, especially 45 minutes, an hour, yeah. just, yeah, just chilling Virginia like, all day long, just sitting there. He's doing nothing. Oh um, man. I didn't, I did not grow up spoiled in the duck hunting world. If we got three ducks in the morning between my dad and I, that was a good day for us. Um, like oh, I said, wow. when I went out West and saw the ducks, I was like, good God, this is something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he enjoys up the more because he's running the whole time. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I think I'll kind of answer my own question. I think the thing that'll always draw me to upland more than ever to waterfall is that I feel like it's so much more rewarding for the dog and for me to watch. Like right. you're walking in a <clears throat> acres of land, you know. And then all of a sudden this dog hits the scent mm-hmm. and they're finding where that bird's is and right. they pop, pop the bird up. You shoot it. They get to retrieve it. We're like waterfall. You're just sitting there calling, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you shoot it. Then they get to retrieve the bird for you. But I don't know. I, I just love watching the dog being able to work and, right. and it's nice when they get home, they're all freaking tuckered out. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> they don't want to do anymore. Right. But I think that's what always draw me towards upland more than mm-hmm. you know going towards waterfall. And I mean, waterfall is fun. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's fun watching the birds come in from way out. You know, and them cupping up and <clears throat> and all that. But man, it's there's nothing better than walking behind a dog and seeing that body language change and oh yeah, rooster popping yeah. up through the grass. Man, it's it's a blast watch or whatever upland bird i was uh i was actually i was actually spoiled with the duck hunting when i was growing up my high school basketball coach we lived on the mississippi um and i went hunting with him all the time and got to take my dog and there was uh several mornings we'd go out and within 30 minutes we'd be done limited out uh we had that happen several times up in guttenberg now the flight patterns have changed so much that he doesn't even hardly duck hunt anymore and i haven't duck hunted since college so that'd be you know 10 34 so that'd be 12 years ago when i was hunted with him last time probably probably duck hunt anyways so yeah so i was spoiled in that but i never i never got drawn to it because my grandpa actually had a farm and he had a bunch of pheasants on it all the time we'd hunt on that and i don't know that just drew me to it Nice. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I remember when I was packing up for my upland trip last November. I was like, "Damn, all I need is a couple coolers and you know, <laughs> first aid kit, gun, and dog boots." I mean, that's all you need. Whereas, you know, we're packing up to head north or west for our duck hunt trip. We got the whole trailer packed full of stuff, you know? and it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's not a cheap. Like, sport, Jesus <laughs> Christ! I don't get how many how many deeks do you so have? Freaking expensive. Um. I mean, at my house, because I haven't spread all over Virginia, to be honest with you. I have <laughs> probably, I have 10 of those big, what, 55-gallon trash cans in my shed. I have, those are part of our diver spread. Then I have, I'd say all in all, I probably have 600. And those are just ducks, not counting the goose hunting stuff that we have. <laughs> Jesus. I have a problem. I, I order a lot of decoys because I'm... <laughs> You know. Do you have a favorite brand? Um, so I use uh, Tango Free. Um, they're also okay. the only brand that uses. Well, I shouldn't say only. They're one of the few brands that make Sea um, Duck decoys. Um, sea oh. Duck hunting got really big in Virginia probably four or five years ago. We we're 
there's like us and maybe like three other groups of guys that hunted them in Virginia, at least where we, where we live. And um, it's gotten a lot more popular. So real quick in Virginia, um, the problem with our blind laws is that if you build a blind on a public river, no one can hunt within 500 yards of your blind for the rest of that year. So every river just about is locked up with blinds. So we have to go to the big water to find open water to really, I mean, there's a few spots that you can find that are open, but then you got to beat someone else that has a boat. So, you know, you're getting in the boat ramp at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning to find a spot. About 10, 12 years ago, we said, screw it, just bought a big boat. And then we just started doing the open water hunting because there's nobody out there. So yeah. yeah, our blind loss suck. That also makes it kind of difficult. For so when we hunted up in uh, Guttenberg, mm-hmm. you could build a blind and <clears throat> it was first come first serve. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot so of somebody, somebody could actually go, somebody could actually go in your blind and you'd be like, well, Hey, I got this white rag on it. I was calling it. Well, yeah, we beat you here. And there was like, there's not shit you could do, man. That would piss you off. Or they would set up like literally 50 yards from you. Mm-hmm. And then basically take all your ducks or yeah, you just Nick, remember when we goose hunted? Yeah. One year. Yeah. People they'll just, they'll, they'll burn you. Like yeah. it was crazy. So we like, we were hunting back in this brush, uh, the one year. And then these guys pulled up with a boat blind and pulled into these weeds mm-hmm. and then pulled their thing up and parked. I mean, right on 50 yards in front yeah. of us. And you can right see that the we were back there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, the fuck are you yeah. doing? I mean, piss you guy off god yeah there's i mean there's definitely that that still happens in virginia but legally which i mean i get needing a buffer zone but 500 yards is a little much yeah. not to mention again basically that 500 yard radius is now essentially i mean not really but essentially your private property and, and where's yeah. where's you know your ethical hunters at you know if i saw somebody be like all right well i'm not gonna hunt there he's obviously you know and if I got out there and I saw a blind, I definitely wouldn't go in it. I'd be like, oh, well, somebody else obviously took the time and built that. But there's, it's open game. You can put all the work in. Somebody shows up before you. Doesn't matter. I think in North Carolina, you, if I remember, and I'm probably wrong here, but I think you can stay, you can hunt next to somebody else's blind, but you can't hunt in their blind. I think is my understanding of that rule hmm. in North Carolina. But Virginia, you know, it's just straight up. That you basically own 500 yards of that river. So that's crazy. Yeah. When you're going down a river, every 500 yards is another blind. It's like, well, shit, you know, that, that river's locked up. <laughs> it doesn't take long to get along. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if it's changed. I wonder if it's changed in, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't duck hunted in a long time on the Mississippi. So 10, 12 years, I wonder if it's changed since then. Like if they got new rules, I would, I would guess that, but I don't know. Yeah, so it makes it makes killing a duck um, difficult in Virginia. So that's why we travel. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Other places. <laughs> I mean, shoot, I think we've seen maybe two other parties when we're in North Dakota. Like when we're actually out hunting, now, we we see other guys at the hotels, but we don't see other people when we're out there. I mean, there's just so much area, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, we last. even even uh, sorry, Tyler, but no, even when we uh, pheasant hunt out there, we go right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's as quiet as can be because everybody's with their family. So we that, that's one reason we picked it. So that way we wouldn't have as much pressure and we could get on private ground. We've had luck doing that. Public ground's usually wide open. Um, so 
we always try to the farmers you know i think two years ago we took my truck out there and uh yeah, they'd see my license plate from virginia and we're like hey you know we saw some ducks in that slough can we go hunt it and they're like you you drove from virginia to hunt ducks and we're like yes sir goes, yeah have adam shoot as many as you want and we're like oh all right like they don't they don't care about ducks out there it's just pheasant and deer really um at least the farmers we run into so yeah, yeah it's just, and it's cr- yeah. it's it's crazy though so we when we were out there you know we had a farmer he was like pretty guided pretty guarded i should say and he was like yeah you can hunt that one field that's it that's how you can hunt so we actually went and hunted it had a really good day went back to his house took him some booze some deer sticks some deer sausage and said hey we just wanted to thank you uh, for letting us and um never asked anything else he goes you guys done or what do you think we're like oh no we're gonna you know we're gonna drive around see if we can find some more spots he goes oh well you're still gonna hunt there's a spot right behind my house i'm gonna drive through my cattle yard and all this and go back here and you guys can you guys can hunt this back here there's quite a few birds back in there too (laughs) so it's crazy like you just show a little hospitality and oh hey here you go and i've heard you know a lot of podcasts you know when you're when you're trying to hunt private land in another state i mean that hospitality and we bring peanuts and then my buddy does a lot of fishing so we'll bring um you know rockfish tilefish tautog flounder um you know, oh. we bring stuff in. I mean, and I mean, shoot, now we pull, pull up to one farm, and every year they're like, hey, y'all bring us some peanuts again. So <laughs> I mean, they can't grow them out there. So we bring fresh Virginia peanuts to them. Um, Are the peanuts you know, that good? Have... For peanuts and Smithfield hams, that's about all we got going for us. So uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not bad. Um, but yeah, that, that hospitality, man, it goes a long way. It gets you, you know, clean up after yourself. If you're duck hunting, we just, Put everything in sleds and carry it to the slough rather than driving through the land. I mean, it's not hard. Just respect their yep. land and you can ride it back. And we've done no. most of farmers' land four or five years in a row. So, yeah. yeah I think, yep. like you said, showing them that respect goes a long ways. Yeah. I mean, I even sent a uh, Christmas slash New Year's Eve card to um, our guys, sent yep. them uh, uh, those cards, and I just signed everybody's name in it. So, yeah, we had one farmer, we'd hunted his property three, four years in a row, and we would normally hunt his property two or three days out of the two weeks that we were there. Um, so we ended up sending him a, a Christmas ham. Um, nice. And, That's uh, a great idea. Yeah, I mean, he was just a really cool dude. I mean, him and then we ran into his brother, his brother, brother-in-law that he let us hunt his property too. So, I mean, like I said, just talking to people, knocking on doors, it's, you know, it can be intimidating at first, but they're just nice good people yeah we had another guy he said you know giving a guy booze we had a uh, one guy we we're, we're gonna hunt his field and we asked him if he wanted any ducks or geese that we shot he goes no nah, i'll just take a case of beer I said okay so we all bought him a case of beer uh went back to his house to drop it off and he had left and so um his wife was like yeah just put it in the garage so we put six cases of beer in his garage <laughs> he called us like two hours later he's like boys y'all can come hunt my property whenever you want (laughs) (laughs) that's a good idea that's awesome but that you know it's just different breed out there you know just good people so yeah gotta love it yeah definitely how long of a drive is that for you to south dakota uh north North dakota north dakota i guess 26 to 28 hours We stop for gas, and that's about it. Yeah, gas prices are gonna treat you well this year, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, one year was tough. We had five of us packed in my truck on the way home, and that was oh, a Jesus. That, that sucked. <laughs> that's a tight fit. I, I did a lot of Nyquil on the way home from that drive, and just slept. 
Oh man. God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, it's, that would uh, suck. it's right twenty six twenty hours of the trailer, so it's a whole. So what's God. uh? You're probably not you're probably not getting good gas mileage either. So you're probably filling up every two two and a half hours. Uh, about three 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 to four hours, yeah. I'd say. Probably. With that big, yeah, depending on the trailer, how heavy the trailer is, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's uh? How old is Traveler? So he's three. Three. Nice. Yeah. He's what's a, a, so what's a couple of your favorite stories with him? Um, I mean he. So one the first the first story is probably a mess up on my part and a completely botched retrieve. Um, it was like I think a fourth day in North Dakota last year. And I didn't realize how much y'all's water fluctuates in those rivers. I mean, it was probably a 30 foot drop um, where we were hunting down where actually the water line was. And, you know, the water was, the river was frozen, or I guess the creek rather. Um, but uh, sure enough, you know, we flushed one and it went to fly across. It's probably 20, 30 yards wide. And we shot it and landed on the other side. Um, like I said, Traveler at that point wasn't really steady. So he went to go try to fetch it. I stopped him, but when I stopped him, he was already halfway down and it was just a steep drop off. So I tried to call him back up the cliff and he couldn't get up the cliff. So um, I tried to climb down, couldn't climb down. So I eventually had to walk up the slough, uh, put my gun down, then basically just kind of like sprawled myself on the wall and just like spider man you know, shimmied across to him. At that point, my buddy got in the, the truck. So I got, so the Traveler, I put a little upland vest on, just an orange one, just in case, you know, somebody else is out there or something. So I pushed his ass up. He reached down, grabbed Traveler, picked him up. And of course, we still got the pheasant on the other side of the creek. So I waded the creek and went and got him. I mean, it was ice water up to my hips and a little chilly. So he moved up <laughs> the next day. The next day, because I'd walked on the ice for the most part, and it was, I mean, it helped me. So the next day we shot one, same creek, just on the other side, and it sailed probably about 50 yards across the creek and, um, you know, skidded across the ice and Traveler made a, a perfect retrieve and brought it back. I did post that video of him trotting on the ice with the uh, pheasant. <laughs> Dude, in about 30 seconds, the heat that I caught. Oh, I bet. You let your dog climb on the ice, blah, blah, and I'm like, Little do you know, my fat ass was on the ice the previous day because yeah. he didn't retrieve it. So, um, yeah, he's forty pounds. I, mean, I, I took that video. Thirty back. pounds. Yeah, you get those yeah, keyboard like, warriors oh, out me. there, and oh, dude, they're getting after it. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> so that one was pretty cool. Uh, he, uh, let's see, another one last year, another pheasant. He, um, he has this habit, and he's out of it now. But last year, he was he would like to bring me the bird, but kind of show it off and swing around me rather than coming right to me and kind of and just sitting. And I was trying to get him out of the habit. Well, he, he retrieved the last pheasant that we needed for our limit. And uh, he was trying to do his little swing around thing. And the, the wing was covering his face. And dude, he slammed smack dab in this boulder that was standing next to me. And I was like, oh, that'll serve you right to keep trying to swing around me. Um, <laughs> I had that on video. That one's pretty funny. Um, that would be funny. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had some pretty cool trees. Um, I think the ice one was just cool. I mean, I'll send it to you guys because just seeing him trot across the ice, I mean, the sun's glaring off the ice, and he's just trotting just happy as can be. Oh, I bet uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the landscape out there is just beautiful, you know? Yeah, yep. I mean, when you get when you get retrieves like that, I mean, it's 
second to none. Uh, I Diesel had one last year for us. It was actually a track of probably 100, 100, 100 to 150 yards. And he went out of our field across the, it was like a level B road or level C road, maybe whatever it's called in South Dakota, across the road into another field, into a slough, up the slough, caught this bird. And we're all standing there watching him like, what the hell is he doing? Like, is he on another bird or whatever? Nope. He chased that bird. (laughs) And that video is posted. There's a few F-bombs in there because I was pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was. Or not to. Um, that was a fun one to watch. Yeah, there's – I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, if you just trust the nose, man, that's the hardest thing I've had to realize. Um, Still don't realize it after having no. – he's my third lab, and sometimes like, ah, we're not going over there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've pulled him off a bird, and he went right back. And, I mean, we missed a shot, but we had just walked through um, – I was walking through the, the cattails. My buddy's walking through the tree line. We flushed a bunch and we thought they were all out and traveler backtracked and went behind us. Sure enough, same thing. I'm like, the hell is he doing? I started blowing my whistle trying to get him to come back. And um, sure enough, he flushed a rooster out of there. And of course, you know, we missed all three times. So um, you know, I got the pity look from traveler there. But it's, you know, you think you know better. And it's like, damn, I should have should have realized that it's every time. Every time. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's had some pretty cool ones. I mean, there was a. Uh, I guess he was only like a year and a half. Um, took him buffalo head hunting. Um, we get a lot of buffalo heads in Virginia. So for whatever reason, that's people's like bucket list bird. And I'm like, just come to Virginia. We got shit. What is it? Buffalo head. Is that the black little, and white one? Yeah. A little black and white okay. guy. He's only about yay big and small. Yeah. Oh, we have those sad. right south of, uh, so I'm from <clears throat> right south of Cedar Rapids. And okay. we get, there's a, wetland area right south of where i live and we get like five of those a year they're like they're, well maybe yeah, they're, 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 they're only yay little things aren't they yeah oh yeah yeah and they fly real close to the water right above the water and they skim right above it um yeah yeah we, we can shoot those all day long we shoot those if we have nothing else to shoot which is nice. awful um, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah the, the wind kicked up and we shot some and i was sending traveler and i mean it was a decent size retrieve for him. He was like about a year and a half, and it was probably, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 yards out. Um, but just seeing his little head just bobbing up and down the water, I mean, like I said, the wind was kicking, and he was – it took him a while to get out there, but he was fine. Was that the – did you send us that video? I feel like you might have you, – you sent one where he was out in a retrieve with a lot, like, white caps. Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Was yeah. it? Yeah, that was a really good retrieve. Oh. He looked like he – that would that would have wear, wore you out. Oh, he did. I think we shot twelve that day. So, oh wow. Um, I mean, that's just like any other dog, man. They got the heart. You know? Yeah. It takes like I, I hate when I do like a hunt test because all the lab guys go out in their labs, just you know, haul ass, especially in the water, get the bird and come back, and then the you know, traveler hauls ass in his own little way. But it just yep. takes so much longer <laughs> the bird. I'm like, damn, this is taking forever. He's just smaller, you know. So yeah. Um, but they're a blast to hunt with, man. I mean. The trainer that I had trained Diesel, they actually put a, um, I think they have a, I think they have a champion title on a, a Boykin Spaniel. Okay. Yeah, they're out of they're out of Dubuque, Iowa. Their their kennels yeah, called so, Star Trooper Kennels. The Boykin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. and then when I was running Diesel, because I I have a um, an HRC title on him too, nice. and he. 
he was always running his dog and he's like, yeah, I'm going to title this thing. Mm-hmm. And then he was the only, they were the only trainers to put an HRC title on a Gordon Sutter. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So they did that cool. too. That's he has that, and he he grand champion that dog too. So it was yeah, it was pretty cool to to watch him work all these different dogs. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like you know, so actually, Boykin just passed the grand today. Actually, I think it was only one of them though. Um, but uh, yeah, they're the problem with the Boykin is that they're you know they're they're a good size and people. Like the size, like that's how my dad got one. My dad wanted a lab when he was out of college. My mom said, I don't want a tail knocking over shit off the tables or knocking the kids over so you get something <laughs> yeah. smaller. Well, that happens here frequently. <laughs> so the problem is, and someone's going to correct me on this, but I think 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, uh, if I remember correctly, Boykin Spaniel Society was, and the Boykins didn't want to be AKC registered because they did not want to do dog shows. They specifically wanted to keep the breed as a hunting breed. And then if I remember correctly, some people broke off of the BSS, got AKC registered, they made up with Boykin Spaniel Society, and now that's how we can run AKC. Well, the problem is now you're seeing Boykins and dog shows and stuff, which in my own opinion, I don't like it, um, because now you have these shit breedings of Boykins that don't yep. hunt. Just like how it happened to the Golden Retriever. I mean, yep. hard to find a good field-bred golden specifically because they are such a good pet. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of Facebook pages that I watch and, you know, these people are getting these Boykins not realizing that it's a hunting breed um, and they're wondering why they're high energy. And I'm like, well, it's a, it's a fucking Spaniel. Like, they're, they're yeah. and they're high energy, a little spazzes, just like a cocker is, you know? Yep. Um, so you see them in rescues, but then also these other guys are buying a Boykin that isn't from a field line and they're expecting to hunt. It's not hunting. And then the Boykin gets a bad name as a hunting dog. So, uh, yeah, I have mixed emotions on that one. Um, it is crazy that you brought that up like golden Zokes. I know Tyler, we were actually talking about it. We were actually talking about it today. Um, you know, he, he was talking about possibly where he would get his next dog from. And then uh, actually this Friday, my wife and I, we go and we're going to pick out. So it'll be about a year and a half, two years before I get the dog. Um, but we're planning because diesel seven, okay. um, we're not ready because we just had a baby. Um, so I put my deposit down, but I get to pick. Um, they know who their males and females are going to be. So I get to be the first one to pick in two years possibly what the uh the breeding could be and what dog i'd want so i'm excited about that and they've been around a long time and they they produce some high powered dogs are you getting another golden uh no i have a black lab so i'll get yep so i'll uh i'll probably i'm getting another lab uh i would like to get black um but they got a they started uh one of their dogs that was she told me that he was uh brown and then the mom was like a it was a yellow, but a lighter yellow, and they started throwing reds. So now they have fox red dogs. Yeah, yeah. She said that they're they're crazy unique and crazy beautiful. If you've ever seen one that's like actually purebred, those reddish yellow labs to me they're they're beautiful. I think they look. I mean, even the yeah. reddish goldens I think are gorgeous dogs. Yep. Um, so I'm looking at that because one of the males that they have, she said he is a he's a beast, um, and he's I think one and a half so he'll be breeding again obviously in two years and she's like he is uh he's a freak so she told me to look at him close 
Yeah. That, that's, I mean, getting a new dog, man, it's a whole nother experience. Even when you have one already, then you get another one. It's like, oh, shit, back to square one, you know? <laughs> I, well, I know, and that's the thing. It's like, God, you got to do that and uh, go pick it out. And my wife's like, well, do you want me to go? I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm fine with picking out what I want, but I'm like, I don't know if you're going to like if I choose a fox red, are you going to like that? Because she said she'd rather just have black. So it was like, well, it's technically our, our third kid or our fourth. Well, it'll be our fourth kid. So we might as well go together and pick it out, pick out the parents anyway. Now, do you believe in some of that stuff as far as like, you know, don't pick the shy one or you know, pick the aggressive one or throw a duck wing and go after that? Like, I, 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 I tell you what, at the end of the day, I don't know. I tell you what, I think if you do it right, you can get that dog to have high drive. Um, I bought diesel and when I bought him, I had no intentions of having him trained and I had him professionally trained. He was the biggest, laziest dog. I mean, he was 16 pounds at six weeks when I picked him up. He was huge. He fit both my hands, just a turd. Um, could barely walk cause he was so fat cause he ate so much. Still loves food. Not mainly all labs do, but, but, um, I took him to a trainer um, I was about eight months. So I was a little bit past six months because I ended up getting a new job and I had to travel a lot for it. And I was like, well, I don't want to waste him just by setting him in the vet. So I hired somebody to train him and he turned out to be <laughs> the best dog I've ever had. I mean, obviously I know he got trained, but I think they, they brought that out of him. And I think you can do that with almost any dog. Now, of course, I think there's a dud here and there, right? There is, but for, 95% of dogs that are, are bred to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can bring them out. I don't think it matters if they're shy or not, if they have the drive and you create that drive, it's, it'll come out of them. Yeah. I think, um, to your point, if it's in the blood, I mean, they're not, I mean, I've had people before, you know, obviously not really dog people and they're like, well, you know, how'd you train your dog to fetch? I'm like, I didn't, I just trained him to come back. Like the dog naturally knows how to fetch. He, he wants to pick things up. Um, you know, and then force fetching is just, getting them used to pressure and picking up what I want them to pick up. Um, the biggest thing that I was taught too, Chris is generally your dog wants to please you. Oh, so 100%. if they figure out what you want, they're going to do it. Yep. And that's the hard you part know. is communicating what you want them to do. Once they realize, Oh, that's what you like. I'm going to do more of it. Yep. I mean, whether it's a lab golden Boykin. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're just eager to please. I mean, most of these hunting breeds anyways are, are trained for, you know, obviously for the high drive, but the whole point of hunt tests is to show the trainability and the bid ability of a dog. And then you're passing those lines on. So if you get a field bred dog, it, it naturally wants to be biddable, AKA just make you happy. I mean, yep. Which yep. goes along with what you guys were saying. <clears throat> so I had uh, my high school basketball coach. He was, he actually trained. Uh, there's a guy in Iowa here named Clark Campbell and he still a big time dog trainer. He helped him train dogs and became a trainer himself. But he, <clears throat> he was saying there's, me dogs and then there's we dogs me dogs he goes they don't listen they fucking hunt from themselves and they're out there and they're just doing whatever no matter how many times you call them right. and then there's we dogs who these dogs keep coming back to check in on you yeah. oh we good we good you know what do we got going on here on a bird okay okay you know and uh for the most part i think a lot of hunting dogs are we dogs but yeah. there are there are a few of those who just they don't give a shit and they just oh, yeah. do what they want I mean, and you can tell them you can tell too because especially in upland hunting the, the dogs yeah he's hunting but he's hunting for himself yep. you know, it's you know the one thing that i always thought was cool with, with traveler and he just naturally does it is they'll like you said check in 
he'll run out and he'll quarter and he'll get to about, depending on the terrain, like we're in North Dakota and the cattails or even a field, he'll go 30 yards or so. And then he'll naturally turn back and come back to me. And just, hey, I can't see you. <laughs> even, if, even if we're in a field, he'll come back and look at me and I'm like, all right, keep hunting, buddy. Let's go. Like, yeah. They just naturally do it, which is, you know, it makes my life easier. Now, if he occasionally ranges out too far, I just give him a whistle and he'll come right back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, most of these dogs, they just want to make you happy. And that's why I, I love, you know, I turned down a trip to Tennessee because I was like, well, can the dog come? And they said, no. I was like, mm, I'm going to pass on that one then. And I can go shoot birds. I, I want to shoot birds. Yeah. It's so, super hard to hunt if your dog is hunting. No, dude, it, it eats me up. You know, I'm like, hey, man. You know, I've, I've turned down some good hunts because I'm like, oh, the dog can't come, then I don't want to go. Like it, it's now become yeah. where I'll take one bird with him over a limit without him, you know? Oh, well, exactly. You know, and that, that was the dilemma that I, I've kind of ran into here. Like, he's still, you know, he's still in his prime, still in good shape. But it's like, I do know that he's a, I would call him a bigger lab. And by everybody says, oh, my lab's 110 pounds. Well, yeah, your lab's fucking fat i know that <laughs> diesel is 90 pounds solid and tyler can attest to that and he'll run all fucking day right. uh and uh i just think that bigger <clears throat> that bigger lab on those hips um mm-hmm. i'm worried he could eventually he doesn't have any signs of hip dysplasia he would have had it already if he did but i just think god he could break down at any time yeah. will he last as long so i had my one male black lab he lasted me for he hunted 14 years and he died, he died at 15 years. So I'm like, well, God, if I have, <clears throat> you know, is he, after I get this other dog, is he going to hunt another four years yet? Or is he going to be done? So that's, that's a tough call. Yeah. yeah but you'd yeah. rather have the one if. <laughs> in the, I know, in I know. Life, right. Right. I'd rather have, get the new one, you know, and retire him than right. maybe run him, run him too hard. I, I tell you what though, when you retire the dog and you got to leave your house, oh. leave the old dog and bring the new dog, boy, that eats you up. Like, oh yeah, he, he that's gonna be tough. Yeah, he sees me grab the e collar, my gun, and waiters, and he's like, "What's up, dude?" And then he sees me take travel. I'm like, "I'm sorry, buddy. Like, oh. you can't do it anymore, man." Um, yeah, had, my, my dad's second Boykin. She lived to be 21, and she, her last dove hunt was like years old. 21 years old? old. She was 21 when she passed. Well, actually, we put her we put her asleep because she just she couldn't walk. She was pissing herself, and it just got sad. Is that um, typical for a boy can live that long? No, she actually had a heart murmur too when she was a puppy. Um, so she's kind of a freak. Now, most boykins, they live 16, 18. I mean, they live a little bit longer, just being a smaller breed. Yep. Uh, and the boykin, really, they're, they're a mutt. Like, they don't know what the original boykin was. Um, There's just, I don't know if you guys know the story, but it was basically this little brown dog. Um, there was in Camden, South Carolina followed this guy in like 1906 or something followed this guy to church and the dog was still there outside of church so he took the dog home found out that it liked to fetch so he gave it to mr boykin who started training it and breeding it and that's how we got the boykin span like they think it was an american uh, american water spaniel or a cocker but they're not 100 percent sure um yeah interesting that's how it got started i mean they know now it's got cocker american water spaniel some chessy um, but they don't know what the original one was. So it, it's wow. a mud. So because of that, they don't have a lot of, I mean, they still have, you know, you got to watch out for hip dysplasia. You got to watch out for EIC, obviously their eyes and stuff, but yep. they don't have a lot of the issues that some of those purebred 
um, a dog's house. That gene pool is so much bigger, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, well, at least it's got a lot of different good breeds in it. Yeah, Chesapeake Bay. Those are stubborn. Those are stubborn dogs right there. <laughs> You'll see some boy. My dad had one Rebel. Perfect name for him too. He was probably <laughs> right at fifty pounds. He's a big boykin, and stubborn just like a chess man. You shoot a duck and it land ten yards out. He'd look at it like, "Yeah, I'm not picking that up." And then you shoot a goose that was like 150 yards out, and he was all about it. I mean, that dude tore up some geese. He he fetched. I think in his lifetime, he got four or five swans for us. I mean, okay. anything bigger than him, he was all about it. I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> got a duck right at his feet. He's just like, no, I'm not touching that thing. Isn't it crazy the, the different attitudes or personalities and in, in all the dogs? Everybody's always different. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and boy can have crazy. I mean, you can, I guess that comes from them being, you know, such a mud, but you can get a, a super curly coat in a boy can you can get a straight coat um traveler i specifically wanted a curly double coat because i knew i was going to be doing a lot yep. of them want to be warm i wanted a bigger one but i mean boykins i know some trainers that train labs that don't touch boykins because they can be temperamental um not not temperamental like a chessy where they get pissed off and like want to bite your head off but temperamental where they get pissed off and they're like, you know what, dude, I'm not doing anything for you for another day or two. Like I'm that's, that sounds right. Cause I remember him training his and he's, he'd always have to be gentle because it was like, Oh, cause I'd watch him train him sometimes and be like, Oh, well, we didn't get it right. That was it. <laughs> From what I've been told in the little bit that I've worked with him, he doesn't have that. Now my old one, Cooper, like I said, if I, if I'm too hard on him, He'll definitely give me the cold shoulder for like a day or two. I'm like, all right, well, fuck you too, dude. Like, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, they can have a, a difficult personality. So, it, they're right. just not like that. Like, I love labs, but they're like robots. I mean, yeah. no offense. Yeah, you can no. do the same drill with a lab over and over and over, and they'll do it perfect every single time. They're just happy doing that. Whereas a boy, can you do it five times in a row? And he's like, all right, dude, I'm done. Like, this is boring. I'm, I'm tired of this. Because it's the yep. spaniel, they have you know ADD in them. They got to be tested. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. I'll test that diesel. I can run him um, a few different drills, but I can run the same ones. And um, right now, I'm working them up to. I like to get them up to about 50 different types of retrieves before season. Really gets them in mm -hmm. shape. And we do. Yeah. We'll do 30. And uh, you know, that's different. That'll be blind retrieve. Sometimes I'll do the like the T drill with them because yeah. he can do overs and backs and. Uh, but I just go out and I do that and I can make him do it as many times as I want. He'll do it every time. Yes. Yeah, so the traveler, he, he will get a limit where he's eventually like, mm, I'm just going to go wander off over here. Like even when I, when I whistle, you know, to start giving him a cast, he, he'll sit perfectly. But instead of looking right at me to wait, uh, waiting on that command, he'll sit down and then he'll go. <laughs> okay. My bad, dude. Like he'll just look around for, 10 seconds i'm like all right well i guess i gotta wait like i can't, <laughs> can't correct him for that you know so uh it's gotta deal with it. i mean it's one of the spaniel things you know oh, that's I, funny he's gotta put up with it yeah <laughs> it's awesome Freaking dogs it's good to learn about them though they're, yeah, they're very is. intriguing yeah they're, they're fun i mean it's just anybody that ever asked me about a boykin um i just i one of the first things i tell them straight up is they're not a lab don't expect it to be a lab um they mature slower than a lab physically and mentally. Like you can do way more with a six month old lab than you can with a boykin. 
um, they just mature slower. Um, now, obviously, there's exceptions to rule. Like I've seen some just badass boykins at six months, but that's not the, the yep. typical. I mean, they're, they're just slower. Um, yep. I mean, shit, a six-month-old boykin isn't even fully grown. I mean, neither's a lab, but they're definitely ten times bigger than a six-month-old. Yeah, six-month-old is probably only what ten pounds. Yeah, they're they're uh, shit. They're probably. <laughs> I'd say 25 ish. We'll give them 25 ish to 30. Because okay. it's that, that first year. I mean, they're still growing. Whereas, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say nine months to a year, a lab's pretty much fully grown. They're just, yep. full, they're mm-hmm. just filling out after that. Um, yeah. From what I know. But, um, you know, I'm not a professional or anything. But, yeah, I mean, they're fun to hunt with, man. I mean, they're a blast. Like, just like anything else, they just want to make you happy. Um, but when they do something dumb and they go, you know, they, pull a boy can move on you just got to laugh it off and well shit when you're when you're coming through iowa you have to let us know and hope maybe we can snag a snag a quick hunt someday well i'm, I'm see i might even go to iowa because i think there's like four days in between my duck hunting trip to the pheasant trip and so i was figuring out if i was going to just hump by myself in in uh, north dakota or maybe go bum ryan for a while while he's because he's, he's in iowa too yep i near you guys so he's i think he's in sioux city i think isn't he or is he by he's in des moines is he in des moines well that's where i live yeah yeah i might i mean shit he did the same thing he invited me i guess and i never knew known ryan from adam he just saw i had a boykin i guess and sure enough like three weeks later i was like hey buddy i'm coming in town <laughs> uh, i'm gonna come hunt so um yeah, I mean that that'd be cool. Um, but um, when when are you guys going to South Dakota? Uh, right after Thanksgiving. Oh, you so you guys go the same time every year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seems to work. There's not a lot of pressure. Usually Airbnbs are open, and we have. I mean, we've had we've had luck when we go out yeah. at that time. So hopefully it's cooler this year than last year. Last year, yeah, was, last year was warm. pretty freaking warm. It's still like 45 degrees out there. I was like, shit. Yeah. Didn't even wear a jacket some days or anything. Just t-shirt. Yeah, I was in North Dakota the week of Thanksgiving, um, and yeah, well, it was definitely not North Dakota weather. I mean, it was like I said, probably. Yep. You know, I was hunting in like a long sleeve shirt, but a lightweight one by the afternoon. I mean, it got it got hot. So, yeah, last year was different. What 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 do you think about you know the drought? You think it's gonna screw up bird numbers? I've heard that the upland birds are still good this year. I mean, I think it's going to, so we went out there, it was just two years ago and all the crops were in, um, and there's a ton of birds, but we didn't shoot and we couldn't fucking shoot nothing. I mean, everything was in the crops. So I'm right. hoping that this drought when we go out this year is, is going to hopefully benefit us, um, yeah. some, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah. And I think even <clears throat> with, you know, pheasants, they don't take as much water or rain like right. the like the ducks do as long as they have a good dew on the you know on the plants and whatnot in the mornings i think they can get enough water for themselves um i'd think yeah the waterfall pop you know i think it definitely hurt waterfall but yeah it's gonna be tough um, i mean i think this year for waterfowl will turn up to water you're gonna be golden it's just gonna be fine in the water um yeah but i mean you, you guys said it earlier too like we went out three years ago four years ago there was a bad drought in north dakota 
and we shot less birds than normal. We hell, we still shot more birds than we do in Virginia. Um, yep. But it's yep. just, it's just experience of going out there. I mean, oh yeah, it's cool to limit out, but shit, just seeing that terrain and, and just, yeah, it's not why we go at all is to limit out. We go for the experience on it. I mean, it's just yeah, I mean, fun getting boys together, having a few beers on a gravel road, you know, and. <laughs> I don't even know if you call them gravel roads out there. Fuck. Yeah. Some of those. <laughs> you know, North Dakota. It's so weird, dude. Fucking hell. The, the first year we were out there, we were falling on that. And the road, you know, everything's numbered and everything's gridded out there. And the road just stopped in the middle of the field. And I'm driving, <laughs> yeah, I'm driving a rental Hyundai. And we'd be shit <laughs> at Great. Um, but it just stopped in the road. Like, there's no end of it. So I was, my buddy's like, all right, we'll just keep driving. So we kept driving. And then the road picks up, like, I don't know, maybe 100 yards down. I'm like, fuck it. Like, it's, yeah. it's just. You same drive in South, same in South Dakota. You're like, uh, can we be here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where am I going right now? So just go like, straight. Fucking cattle are walking next to you and you're on a normal road. You're like, what the fuck? Uh, I'll never forget the one day was flooded. And Tyler and I, uh, we decided to drive out middle of this field and it was all flooded across there i had to have tyler walk in front of the truck to make sure that sure, yeah. I, I didn't drive into a fucking hole <clears throat> made it across there i don't know some somebody's land yeah it's just like oh well on a road like that it had a stop sign and after the stop sign everything was underwater and you could tell that this road hadn't been serviceable in years because it wasn't like just this was flood water this was just underwater yeah we did not take the Hyundai through that. That one we knew better. Um, yeah, it's just different out there, man. I mean, Have you ever been yeah. down uh, one of those roads where it's just all grass and you can't see anything and the sides it drops off and then you keep oh, yeah. driving, you keep driving and you can't fucking turn around. You're like, how am I going to get to hell <laughs> out of yeah. here? And you just keep driving and driving. <laughs> You're like, uh, hopefully I don't hit a big ass fucking pothole. Can we turn around here? Nope. Okay. Keep driving. And hopefully you get to an opening where you can just inch it around it's and the just, weirdest do, 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 do. you know, Austin Powers in the hallway. That's what yeah. you know, those fucking... <laughs> yeah, some of those roads are sketchy. I mean, oh man, but that's half the fun too. Is you, you know, I mean, I remember last year, last year, no, year before last, we flushed some. Um, I guess it, no, they weren't prairie chickens. They must have been huns. No, sharpies rather. Um, while we we're scouting for ducks. We saw where they landed, so my buddy jumped out and you know, grabbed the gun and walked him up and shot one of them. And he comes back and he threw it in the truck and shut the door and went to go put the gun back. And uh, apparently the hun was not, or the sharpie was not dead. And so, dude, it fluttered around my truck. And we're trying to catch this damn thing, and we finally caught it and you know, put it out of its misery. But I've for like a year, if I drove my truck windows open, a feather would hit me in the face. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just experience, you know, just going out there and having fun and, you know, yeah, a few birds and have some good stories. Definitely, that's what it's about. So, well, Chris, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. We usually try to keep them right at an hour. So, yeah, Uh, definitely appreciate it. Um, I think next week we're going to do, we, I wanted to touch on. Dove hunting, I think you got out. So uh, next week we're going to do a power hour dove hunting one with some people. So okay. hopefully you can join in on on that on Thursday next week. But yep. um, yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. We learned a shit ton yeah, about, the, about the Boykins. And, uh, got to educate y'all on the little brown dog, man. Yeah, hey, that's man. right. That's right. So yeah, if you're coming through, let us know. Um, 
we'll drop you our numbers so we have them and Roger that. Um, good luck this year and enjoy your month-long hunting extravaganza <laughs> yeah man that's incredible that's but, uh, i appreciate it and if you guys ever want to go shoot some of them little buffalo heads, let me know and we'll get you out there. We've got yeah, some other, for sure. other ducks too, but I can get I'll take some peanuts, I guess. I'll get some peanuts. Yeah, I'll get some peanuts too. I'll take those. <laughs> get your peanuts. All right. All right. Have a good All night. Right. Right, you guys Thanks, Thanks Chris. Yep. Bye. See you later. Bye.